On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to speak with Deb Newell about when it's time to get a consultant and how they can help you improve your business. That's next. Welcome to Bootstrappers, a unique program designed to help make your business better. From property management to remote workers, Bootstrappers is here to help your business succeed. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. So let's lace up those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Welcome to Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that are important to real estate and property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, and today we have a really exciting topic. We're going to talk about when it's time to solicit the help of a consultant. We're going to speak with Deb Newell, who is the the winner of uh, Consultant of the Year here at the Property Management Mastermind Conference that we're in in Dallas today. So we're going to talk to her. Um, she is the owner and CEO of Real Time Consulting Services and just get her take on everything. So Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Anaquim helps property management companies become more profitable through virtual assistance, 24-hour call center for leasing maintenance and call overflow for rent manager clients, and for back office support. If you are a fan of the show, please like, subscribe, tell all your friends, and leave us a nice note uh, on the, the description of our YouTube page or uh, see us on Instagram at Bootstrapper Show and leave us a message in the bio, and you can participate in our book giveaway. With that, I'd like to introduce Deb Newell. Welcome to the show. Hi, Gwen. Thank you. I'm so happy to speak with Consultant of oh, the gosh. Year. <laughs> no, but it really is an honor, and you are known for being somebody that, if, if you're serious about your business and things aren't going well, just call Deb. I mean, yeah. you know that that's, that's your reputation in the industry. Yeah. So what is the main reason people give you a ring? Uh, I think there's a number of reasons. I think they are at a point where they've either plateaued and they just don't know what to do anymore. They can't grow. They, you know, they don't know which direction to go to. Their team is exhausting them in some way or telling them that they're overwhelmed. There's a lot of, there's a myriad of reasons really, but um, I think that they come to me at the point of kind of like, what, you know, I'm, 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 where do I go? I'm kind of done or I, I, I'm stuck. So is it Probably like an stuck. emotional flashpoint? Is there usually like a instigating I moment? For, for most, yes, there is. It, it's, it's something that has triggered them to, you know, um, to call. And I think it could be anything from their employees coming to them. Like I said, and, and you know, just saying I'm overwhelmed. I'm gonna, you know, if you don't I'm fix gonna this, quit. yeah, if you don't fix this, I'm probably gonna leave. Or there's a financial issue behind it. A lot of times, that's it. I think there's um, there's there's a couple main points for them. It's usually growth, right? They want to grow. I don't know how to grow, um, and I'm stuck. And I have a team either I like or I don't like, and I need, you know, I don't know what they're doing. And um, that could be one of it. And then financially, it could be, you know, an, you know, I, I thought I had all this money. I don't know where this is going. And I have an issue there. Okay. So you come in, they hire you, you come in. And then what do you look into to see where the company is sick? I think I look at everything. So that's where I think people, you know, they come to me and they're like, this is what's wrong with my business. And I'm knowing that that's the symptom that they're seeing, mm-hmm. but I know that there's a root cause to whatever's going on. So I have to dig deeper. So they'll, you know, we'll talk, I'll kind of hear their point of view, what's going on, kind of gather a whole bunch of information aside from that, look through a lot of it. Um, I'm looking at 
uh, there's really three fundamental things I look at. There are people, process, and technology, because I think it's those three foundational things that actually drive the business into whatever <laughs> the ground or to move forward. So if it's a people problem, those are the most touchy, right? Those are, sure. are those the ones where people have the most lack of clarity? Or yes. So if I'm, so part of my process is that I go in and I'll meet with the employees because I think that's really essential. So, you know, the owner of the company is not around. I'm doing this one-on-one -on -one with the employee. Um, I, I feel like I have a really good ability to kind of talk to people because I know the industry so well, ask them specific questions, not um, demeaning into what they're doing. Just, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Tell me how you do you know, tell me how you do your application process. So, I, you know, I'm not going to tell them it's wrong. I might ask why they do it a certain way. You know, tell me why you did it that way. Oh, that's just the way we've always done it. But that helps me kind of understand that pattern of what's going on in the company. So if I hear that a lot, for example, oh, that's how we've always done it, then that, you know. That tells you about the culture. A little bit, yeah. And it tells me that most likely the other reason they're, you know, oh, I, I was never really trained. I just kind of got through into this or they just gave me this additional job in, a, you know, in addition to what I was already doing. So, so you check in with the people and then for processes. I mean, processes are just so hard for everybody in our industry. Right. I mean, if someone's just overwhelmed with the processes and doesn't even know where to start, what is your recommendation for them? So the first thing is just kind of build out the foundation of the whole life cycle of property management. Let's just start at the beginning because I think you're right. People do get overwhelmed and it is very overwhelming. And there's so many different ways to do one thing. Oh, and and I, the technology, like even right. just be like, oh, should I be on Zapier? Should I, yeah, should right? I get lead simple? Or? But I don't think that's for everyone. So I need to kind of diagnose the company. You're right. Like the culture of the company, the people are important because if they don't adopt anything else beyond that, then it's just not going to work. And you look at the leadership and what they're right. capable of, how much they like technology, what they're... Yeah, well, the, usually the owners are always the one who wants... That's why they call, right? They're like, I want to mm -hmm. change. I, this needs to change. I need to have it fixed. But part of the process is if your employees aren't going to change, it doesn't matter what I do. So it may come down to I'm looking at the employees and right seat, you know, yes. right well, bus, and then wrong if bus. If people don't want to use processes, it's an indication and the owner is willing to make a change and wants to be process focused. Right. Likely you just don't have the right people, right? That could be part of it. It could also be he or she needs to change their style of leadership a little bit. So um, I've run into comp you know owners who are just like, this is how they've started and they haven't changed at all. Some may never change, but I think if we, they can be coachable on how to make small changes that could impact how they actually lead the company. So that's probably a huge thing that you run into is having to coach people on the leadership side because right. the leadership that's necessary at 100 units is it's maybe be different, different mm -hmm. than at 700 units. And I think when there are problems with your leadership style or... Um, the way that you hold people accountable, uh, when you get bigger, those get magnified, don't right. they? And they intensify. Those leadership issues 
aren't just some small problem. They're, they become giant problems. Right. And I think it's a delicate balance because, you know, I'm coming in and I'm telling them that, you know, you kind of suck at your job. And, but I don't think that people go into this industry or this business, this entrepreneurial idea that they've had thinking that someday they're going to manage even just five people. So it's kind of a learning process. And so, you know, they get to a point where they realize I can't do all of this anymore. So I'm going to hire somebody. You hire your first employee. You tend to be too close to that employee. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then there's an emotional attachment because they were with you quote from the beginning. And, um, and then it kind of builds from there. And unfortunately then they're too close to the problem. So they can't take a step back. They can't separate the role from the individual. And then that's where I come in. I usually say, let's take everybody out of the picture and let's look at your roles and the functions and let's dive into that process. And then let's bring people back and fit them in. Because I want to say, if you, you know, if you could start all over again, what would the roles be where you're at today and where do you want to go and what would those roles look like? Then you have to bring the people in and see are they going to fit that role? So that's so interesting. So you do start with the org chart oftentimes. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yes. So I don't think people realize that that's where you start. I mean, I had hired a consultant uh, this year as well, and he went straight to the org chart first. So, yeah. so I think if people are diagnosing their own company problems and maybe they're not ready for a consultant yet, they can start with the org chart first mm-hmm. and make sure that they're... What, what, well, what recommendations do you have for each role that those need to have for So each I think you have to look at the roles, you know, look at the company. Door count is going to matter. So look at the company, how many doors you have, what's your goal. So you have to look at your three to five year plan. And that could be mean, you, you could be exiting in three to five years, but that still is important to know. So you have to look at that. And then you have to look at the roles, just saying, okay, I need a property manager. I need an assistant property manager, or I don't, or I just need an admin. Um, I, I need a maintenance coordinator because we have so many work orders coming in. I didn't realize that. So separating that, and that doesn't mean that that doesn't, it's not one person still. I just still need the role separated and the functions. And again, depending on the size of the company, it may be where you have a hybrid role mm-hmm. for a short amount of time. You could be wearing two hats. Yeah, but you split it up in such a way that it's not so much. And, um, you know, especially if I go into a company and they're like, the owner's like, I, I want every call answered live. Right, So they're saying, I I have to have all the calls answered live. They're not getting answered. I'm getting complaints from owners. I'm getting complaints all the time from tenants. They're posting on Google. There's all these bad reviews. So if that's the case, then how how do you have the role structured? So are they not able to answer the call live because they're doing too much now? Mm, Yeah. So kind of diagnosing what the issue... The issues yeah. are in each yeah. role and why maybe certain functions are failing mm-hmm. because of the way they've currently designed it. Yeah, I'll even go in and I'm like, I don't want to know. Don't tell me about your team. I just want to see the org chart. Mm-hmm. I want to know the individual's name, what their, quote, title is, because everybody has a different title, and then what you think their functions are. That's all I'm asking. And then I go in and I do the rest because what they think that function or that role was is not what they the employee oh, is usually doing. doing. Yeah, they're like, well, I, you know, I, I had to do this because nobody else was doing it. Okay, it's good to know. So then I'm just kind of marking it all up and then just reorganizing everything, figuring out, okay, this is really what you need. And then let's bring the people back in. I'm also looking for either a, 
somebody to take over like today or in the future as like that number two. Like you can't do this forever, Mr. Owner. So who is going to fill in to let you do whatever it is you do best? Okay, so trying to find maybe that integrator personality. exactly, because they're the visionary, but they're trying to be the integrator and they're horrible at it. So I'm taking them out of that position, finding somebody who can either fill that slot right now or eventually as a career path get to that point. So when you're building out the org chart, I mean, the way that we're doing it right now, which has been transformative, is we have what winning looks like is like the first line under the, the title mm-hmm. of the role. What winning looks like and then the procedures that, that they're responsible for hyperlinks to those procedures. Okay. And then the KPI for each one. Yep. Would you do something similar or yeah. a little bit different? So I probably would do a little bit different. I think the, the I kind of do 30,000 foot view of the, the functions of that role. So if you're thinking of an administrative assistant and I want them to do application processing, that's just the function I need them to do. Then I'll dive into the procedures later, but I just need them to, you know, highlight what those pieces are. And then then we kind of go in. So maybe a property manager is the person that only speaks to the owner. So what does that look like? Are they also the person that's doing the reconciliation for the owner? Or does that go to an accounting coordinator or somebody in accounting? So I have to kind of figure out at what point do we separate some of these high-level functions and then get into the details later. I think people get too much caught in the weeds and they can't, it's really hard for them to see beyond that. So if I take it a step back, they can see the bigger picture and then actually go, okay, I got it. Yeah, I totally, I I agree with you that people do get overwhelmed with with the weeds. And then uh, that taking a step back is very helpful. Um, So when you have a functional org chart and it works and people know what they're doing, this is what I found and I wonder if you find the same thing. It calms down any drama in the office because everyone knows what they're responsible for and so they, some of those uh, power struggles go away because it's Mm -hmm. like this is where your job ends and this is where this person's job begins. Yeah, so the one thing though I will say is that there's still going to be some Mm cross-functional and I make sure that that's always in play. Because the one thing I hate people telling me is that's not my job. Sure. And so that's the one thing I'm like, don't tell me that because there may be a, a, a situation where you have to fill in. So I can't have you disgruntled about it. Sure. And all, if you think about the whole life cycle of property management, they all interconnect. And at some point you may not think it's your job, but it may have to morph into something else. And that's when we revisit it. Um, so it's, you know, I'm very strict to say that that job description that you have today, it, it's a fluid job description. Sure. So don't get hung up on, you know, what's in black and white, because there's going to be some areas where we, we missed it. We just didn't see it because it wasn't ever disclosed. It The situation was like a unicorn. It just came up. We're like, uh, you know, COVID. Yeah. Perfect. I, that was a unicorn, right? Yeah, so, that was the right, ultimate. But that was a perfect unicorn. example, right? Having to kind of now pivot mm. and be okay to pivot. And now the pivot is, I need you back at the office. And that's another discussion that's also very hard because people are like, I don't want to come back to the office. Right. But I'm, we're still in a people industry. So yeah. there, there's that conversation that has to be had. So when those moments come up, that's really where the owner of the company has to draw on the values that they established, right? Mm -hmm. Like when 
there are those moments where it doesn't fit into a nice cookie cutter box, you know, a bento box or anything like that, and they have to ask people to be a little bit more flexible, that's when they should really refer back to their values. I mean, one of the million times, but that's yeah. where that kind of comes into play in terms I always, of culture. Yeah, and I always say you don't want employees that just have a job. I mean, right. this is a really hard industry. I, I mean, most a lot of industries are. I, I recognize that, but you don't. I don't want somebody who has a job. I want somebody who has a career. I need somebody who's going to, you know, have something in in this. And what does that look like? And so I also think it's really important to ask the employee what do they want out of this. So where do you want to be? Um, I think you heard me talking about this during the conference um, on a panel. Is that ask them what they want? How much do you want to get paid? So that's kind of those one-on-one yeah. -on -one conversations yep. on a regular basis. Yep. Do you promote those with your clients? Yeah, I do. So I believe in doing everything on a quarterly basis. A lot of people work off of an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's where so much gets missed. First off, I can't remember what I did last month, let alone last February. Mm -hmm. So if that's what they're doing, then, you know, employees have like, elephant minds and they're going to remember every good thing they did conveniently not remember all of the mistakes they did yes. the owner's going to remember all the mistakes they did and not everything good that the employee did so there's going to be a disconnect already so if you touch base every quarter then there's there's no um there's no hard i, I don't know not things hard don't kind of like yeah. pile up like you yeah know, that pile up effect yeah or and employees get to be you know uh hold a grudge is probably the best way I can say it. You know, they, they get disheartened with their employer because they don't feel recognized or appreciated. That's mm -hmm. the number one thing. I don't feel appreciated. I'm doing so much. They have no idea what I'm doing. I was never trained. Like it's all of these things. It's kind of like they have word vomit and they're going through all of this and they also just want to be heard. So making changes at a company, I mean, change the, uh, changing anything at any organization is a huge business challenge. How do you recommend they do it so they don't burn out or confuse the team? Don't do, don't do everything at once. I think that's the big thing. Um, and look at what is the most vital thing that, so a lot of times when they come to me and say, this is my problem, like I, I, I can't stand Sally. I think she's the, you know, she's doing everything wrong. And I come in and Sally just was never trained and I can't blame Sally. Like she wasn't her fault. So I have to look at it and say, well, she's not really the problem. So again, let's fix what the problem is. And is that the most important thing that we address today? And is it a quick fix or is it going to be something I want to put on a roadmap? So that's the other things. A lot of times I'm going to put this in like three big phases. And phase one is kind of my immediate need. But I may simultaneously work on phase two just so that we can kind of, you know, feel like we're moving in a direction that they feel comfortable with. So I'll even go as far as, you know, in addition to everything else I'm doing, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm doing a competitor analysis, like what does their market look like? What does their website look like? What is their message that they're even sending to the owners and tenants? Like, is it welcoming? I mean, whatever that culture is that they want, what is the message that you're also sending out there? So you, you said you did people, processes, Process and technology, technology mm -hmm. but that sounds like a different like one more piece, it's the branding and marketing. Branding, marketing, yeah, I think that comes into, I mean, that could be a technology piece, it could be a process piece, but yeah, the branding, the marketing, the financials, looking at revenue opportunities, that's a big one that I do as well. And um, 
I think when people go to conferences, unfortunately, there's this, you know, we get the shiny object and we kind of have do. a little, we get a little ADD, right? We go yes. in there and you're super overwhelmed. You see these trade shows, which I absolutely love because I think it's such a great opportunity. People have found all of these niches in the business and it's really entrepreneur, you know, ship at its finest. And we go in and we get overwhelmed and then we sign up for stuff. And then we go back and our employees get really mad at us, right? So we've, mm. we've overwhelmed them just by that. So we have to take a step back. And before you sign that contract, like don't... Sign I, a year-long contract, yeah, like right after right. a conference. Wait a little bit. It's kind of like when they say, when you write an email because you're mad at somebody, take a five-minute breather or even longer. Yes. Come back in 25 to 20 minutes, reread it, and either you never send it or you completely edit it. And I think that's one piece of it. And then... Um, so when you go to the conference, I know that they have these, it's like going to the, the fair, right? They have these fair specials. Yeah, it's oh, called for sure. the conference specials. So you go to a conference special, but usually they'll honor a conference special for maybe a week or so afterwards. Yeah. But take that time to really say, is this what I need? Or did I, you know, feel like I had to, you know, it was a fire sale and I had to do it. So I, I think since we're at a conference, we might as well just dig into that. Like, uh, let's say I know there's a problem in my business. Mm -hmm. That's why I came to the conference because yep. I'm like looking for support or to fix something. So, and then so much information. So would your recommendation just be in like a quiet place maybe for the Saturday or Sunday after? Yeah, a lot like, of people do that. Organize and prioritize any changes I would want to make first and then see how that technology fits into a broader plan. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be just the technology piece, right? So I, I look at conferences, it's like one big therapy session. You're networking, so you're meeting new people if you've never been. Um, you're a little overwhelmed yourself. It's, um, and you just have to digest everything, and it is a lot of information coming at you. Great little nuggets, oh my gosh, I'm gonna do that. So it's, you know, writing a little bit every day into the notebook or whatever it is you're doing. And then, then kind of looking back at that, taking the weekend, a lot of people will take a couple extra days. I'm like, stay at the, why, why rush back home? Unless you have to come, you know, stay another day and look at everything, kind of take a moment to walk around, do whatever, and really think, okay, this is what I want to present to my team. And I think this is what we need and maybe talk to the team about it. Cause you have to have the buy-in from the team. You can't make all the changes and you can't make them remotely at a conference. If you do, you will lose your team. And I think they lose trust in you. Like if you come back from a conference and you're like, we're gonna make this massive change that right. we never talked about before, exactly. um, then they lose trust. And so that's kind of why where a consultant might come in is helping you organize. Yeah. Like you know that change needs to occur if it's not really obvious to somebody where to start or how to progress or how to outline that roadmap that you talked about. And again, their about. number one may not be the number one that needs to be done. So it's um, helping them implement. That's, so I think that's what's different from really being a consultant versus a coach, because I think a coach is that person from the sideline helping you, you know, encouraging them to just do it. I'm a little bit more controlling, I guess, and I like to come in and help them implement it and say, let me take over, let me help you get it. Because I think a lot of times they're just like, I, I, I can't do it. I don't have anybody. I can't do it. I don't know how. So I'm going to take well, whatever kind it is. you're of like the, uh, the integrator if they don't yeah, have one. Exactly. So you're taking, so they're the visionary integrator because small companies, I mean, sometimes you can't afford to have yeah. like another high paid person. So 
So you're the visionary, you suck at implementing processes and procedures. You would hire a consultant to kind of like at least start that process yep. until you can hire that person exactly. to do it full time. Yep. Yeah, because they, they can't. They can't wrap their mind around it. And that's okay. That, you know, I guess knowing is half the battle to even know that you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just hard to know what else is going on in the industry, especially if you're in a small pocket of wherever, then that's where I can come in and I can, I can say, well, the industry, like, this is what I've seen in the industry. Let's see if it will work here. Mm-hmm. And so it might be a little bit of trial and error because we may not know. Um, but that's why I also do that competitive analysis, looking at what's going on in the market, um, what's your message, what's your brand, what are you trying to come across as, you know, you started something, now let's let's make it something. Uh, so I think that that's great. And then the other reason why I think someone might want to hire a consultant is I talked to somebody here at the conference and I'm like, how are your processes? And he's like, oh, it's been on my to-do list for 18 months and I still haven't done it. And I'm thinking, well, if you haven't done it, in 18 months, and you're it's not going like, to do it now. You're not going to do it. Yeah. And so, you, if you, if that's a goal, if that's what's going to help you get your business to the next level, for you to have the professional success you're looking for, you may want to invest in somebody, uh, hiring somebody to help you with that process. Yeah. You know what we tell owners when um, owners don't want to lower the rent to get it rented faster? We're always like, you know, if it, and it stays on the market longer. We all know that they, as property managers, they've lost more money. Right trying to just keep it on the market because that day's vacant, it adds up and it's time and it's money and you know we're spending money on marketing. Some may pass that through to the owner so that's even more added cost. It's the same thing. So invest earlier as a company, it may, you know, it may seem like, oh, I, I don't have this much money up front, but what would be the savings in the end? Because 18 months of never doing something heaven forbid that person gets hit by a bus and it's all in their head and they maybe have somebody that could help them, you know, as they're and the recovering. the opportunity cost of not growing yeah, during that time. exactly. you can't grow if you have no processes or procedures written down or yep. they're really poorly done or, you know, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Um, the other thing is that bringing in a consultant, they're going to give you the hard news about your leadership style, right? Yeah. I love, I love that part, right? <laughs> so I think that's such a hard conversation to have, but what are some of the, the dominant personality types that you see in the industry? <laughs> and maybe Putting some, me on tips, the spot. some tips that might help somebody at least be a little bit more self-aware. You know, I think they actually know. I don't, I don't think I have to point, I mean, I'll point it out to them, but I think they know. I, I, we're, we're all pretty, I mean, we're all adults, and I think for the most part we know our personality type enough and, uh, you know, either their spouses told them many times, I'm probably telling them something that they've heard somewhere along the line. Um, but I don't want to go in there and not, I mean, I'm not going to mince my words. I mean, you've hired me to tell you how it is. And I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but I am trying to get past a certain point that's a barrier and a roadblock to what's going on. And it oftentimes can be the leader. So that's when we have to restructure exactly what they do as well and what their best Like, that's why a lot of times people need that number two in there. They need that integrator to come in and help alleviate some of the pain of what they don't like doing. Their brain doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it makes them grouchy or it makes them just not like their job anymore, like their people anymore. Mm. And that's not a fun boss. Right. Absolutely. So who is your ideal client? I mean, anybody is probably in need of consulting. I mean, there's, 
I have everybody from zero doors to saying, I just want to build a property management company. How do I do it? And then I have clients up to 7,000 doors. I think there's there's a whole range of what their needs are. So I don't know if there's an ideal client because I think everybody has so many different facets to their business on what they need. Um, I, I will say probably the one thing is I do need somebody, if they're going to hire anybody as you know to come help them do their business, be amenable to the change. Like accept it and don't don't spend all the money and just not do anything. That's and, like heartbreaking to watch, isn't it? You're it is like, kind ah. of. It is actually because I feel like they're wasting their money. I don't like it, and right. so I um, I I feel like I have ownership into what I'm doing with them. I get to know their team. I get I you know I like their team. I like them. I want them to be successful. So it it breaks my heart when I kind of see them not embrace it. And here's the thing, it's not a one and done thing. So we may be engaged for like three or four months and then we may come back in six months because people slip, it's okay, summer happened, it got busy. Mm, um, that's such a good example. So things things will always get off path a little bit. So maybe we just have to reconnect for a few calls, a month, two months. Maybe that's when we do phase two. So um, we may not be able to get through one, two, three phases right away. We may have to break it up because like we said earlier, it's just too much information, too much change, and your team's not ready for it. You may be ready for it, but if I do all of this, you're gonna have no one. But sometimes I've, I've gone into places where unfortunately I've, I've, I've done this at least that I can think of twice in the last year where I've said, you need to let go of your entire team. I maybe would keep one person. And it's really unfortunate. And I think it's because I have seen the team somehow take over the company. I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but they like, they have almost bullied their boss into doing whatever, like, I, I'm not gonna do that. And it's a culture that you can't change at that point nope. once they get it's, used to it. Yeah, it's a little late at that, yeah, you're I right. I do just have a quick question about that since you bring it up. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna have to fire the whole team, do you do it all at once? Or do you not? Do you just not, pick one no, person? <laughs> no, I, I try not to because I, I understand the impact. It's like, you know, it's a lot of anxiety. A lot of times it will just kind of work out on its own, right? So you let go one person, the team either shapes up or ships out, they kind of get the message, yes. then I may have to go down the line. Maybe I'm reorganizing at that point. Maybe I'm like, well, let's see if we can salvage somebody, put them over here. I mean, if I had my way, I would probably say, yes, let's do it all at once. But I also know the impact that that could have on a company. And depending on the size, it may not just be feasible. So we may be crippled for a little while. And I tell them that. I'm like, we're getting, wor we're getting the rid of the worst offender right now because I have to. And then we may have to get rid of these other people. But once people see that you're going to hold them accountable, the people that, who yeah. never liked being held accountable and enjoyed yeah, they don't their like job, me very much. It's yeah, okay. Then that that's when they may just leave on their own because they're like, yes. Ooh, it's and I would, changing. and you know what? I would rather have them leave on their own, and that's okay. We're no longer a good fit. And I wish you well, and I hope you find a job that really caters to whatever it is that you want out of life. But there's a lot of other people that want jobs and want to work and we will find them we'll find the talent and and I know that talent can be hard to find in some areas and that's I, a big fear I that's get why a, people yep, don't change I know and I get that a lot I'm not I can't I've I can't find anybody I've tried looking well let me try so I'm going to help you interview and I'm going to tell you what we're looking for because at, remember at the beginning they never had a job description they didn't even have a defined role mm. so they were just hiring because 
They needed it was a, a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they needed a body. I hate those bodies. I mean, I hate the ba- <laughs> I hate the band-aid bodies, like yes. where they bring somebody in just because they have to fix a immediate need. And now they're stuck with that person. And now look at what you've created. Yes. So I have to fix that. And I'm, I love fixing it. It's just, but it is, it's a jolt and, um, it's easier for me to let people go or hire people because it's an emotional decision for the owner who sometimes can't do that. And that's okay. So if someone's going to hire a consultant, they need to be committed for the long term and be committed to themselves, to making their business and changing themselves for their future self to have a better life and then really stick to the program and stick to what they committed to day in, day out, even when it's hard. And that's when you see the transformative effect of what you do. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunate thing is I think people hire a consultant saying, I I want a miracle and I want this fixed yesterday and that's not going to happen. And it's a, it can be a very slow process or it can be a fairly not, you know, quick process just depends again Mm -hmm. on what the issue is. But if it's just financials, like revenue, that's kind of easy. We can, we can actually implement those things fairly quickly, but it's never just one thing. But if it's, it's also culture is the hardest. Yeah, it is. And creating those, just taking the time to create those processes and procedures and develop them well. It's also a time consuming process, but waiting doesn't get you any change either. So that's always the alternative. Doing nothing does nothing. Well, thank you so much, Deb, for being on the show. And for our book giveaway, we have Fix This Next, Make the Vital Change That Will Level Up Your Business. And it is by Mike Michaelwitz. So we'll be giving that to anybody who leaves a comment in either the bio of our Instagram page, Bootstrapper Show, or uh, leaves a message in the description, uh, the link in the description of YouTube. Thanks so much. That's a wrap. We'll see you next week. This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand how the world turns. Contact Gwen or Jeremy at posts at bootstrappers.club or visit our website, anaquim.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thank you and join us next time for Bootstrappers.